A couple of years ago, a student wrote on one of my teaching evaluations that, uh, Dr. Pace, your stories are corny. <laughs> and I can't deny that. At least it's sincere corn. Uh, uh, and uh, I'd like to tell you a story about my son, Tom, uh, today. Uh, some of you know Tom. He graduated from USD with a double major in uh, Spanish and political science. In 1990, just a few years after I became a professor at USD, my young family, which consisted of my spouse, Diane, and my four children, decided to have a summer adventure and drive across the country from San Diego to Plymouth, Massachusetts, where my in-laws lived. We purchased a used, large Ford uh, Econoline van, which had 12 seats and the largest engine that Ford makes. Uh, in my religious culture, we affectionately refer to vans like this as BMWs, big Mormon wagons. <laughs> all in all, we planned to be gone for a month, one week there, two-week visit, one week to drive home, which, have a, which would have us drive nearly 7,000 round-trip miles. My oldest son, Tom, had just finished fifth grade and was 11 years old and something of a know-it-all. We were not two hours into our long drive when he began to assert his alpha son role and order the other children around and dominate the family conversation. Fifth grade had imbued him with a false sense of omniscience, which he freely shared. By the time we passed through Utah on I-15 and turned east on I-80 through Wyoming, the family had had quite enough of his pontifications. Then came Nebraska. A very long state if you drive through it west to east. Around lunchtime, we started to look for a picnic spot to eat our sandwiches that we had made that morning. We were passing a lush, pretty island in the middle of the Platte River when we saw a sign that said, Grand Island, next exit. My son immediately piped up and said that he knew Grand Island and that we could have a nice lunch there. Enough was enough. I confronted him and said, you have never been here, and you know nothing about Grand Island, Nebraska. <laughs> he replied defensively, I, I do too. Uh, I read a book in school. What book, I asked sternly. A book about kids uh, in, in uh, a tornado, he replied. We had just heard a possible tornado watch on the radio and had discussed with the family the difference between tornado watches and warnings. The coincidence was too strong. And I said, stop it, Tom. There is no book, and just admit that you have never heard of Grand Island. There is two, he pleaded. What is the title of the book, I countered. I don't know, but it is about two boys who try to escape a tornado on Grand Island, and they run over to that he paused and pointed to a gas station that we were just passing as we exited the freeway from, for our picnic to that uh, Conoco station right there. Tom, I have a PhD. You have finished fifth grade. I know more than you. I have never heard of Grand Island and neither have you. Tom, subdued, subdued by the tone of my voice, said meekly, I'll bet you $40. You are on, I said. As we passed through Des Moines, Chicago, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Tom would ask each time, do they have a public library here? 
The family would moan in unison as we drove on without stopping. Give it a rest, Tom, I would say each time. The first morning in Plymouth, Tom woke early, rode his grandmother's bike to the public library. He returned with a long face. Find what you were looking for, I asked. Nope, was his sudden, sullen reply. The first day after we returned home, I got up early and went to work to catch up on hundreds of emails and finish a draft of a journal article that was overdue by a few days. When I returned home late, the children, exhausted from the trip, were already asleep. On the entry table was a thin book titled Night of the Twisters by Ivy Ruckman with two bookmarks in it. I turned to the first marked page, which described two boys on bikes who rode over to Grand Island for a day trip, only to find themselves in the middle of a growing tornado. With some trepidation, I turned to the second mark. Wouldn't you know those darn kids rode their bikes to a Conoco station for shelter? (laughs) That night, I drove to the nearest ATM machine, returned, and placed two $20 bills in the book and went to bed. So now you know, this is not a story about my son, but about me and my flop as a father. I was the one who became, I was the know-it-all in the car. I was the one who became defensive over a challenge to my intellectual support, uh, superiority, a common malady in our profession. This is a story about my flop as a father. Parenting can be a humbling experience, but in my humility, I realized that I didn't need to be the always right parent all the time. I didn't need to be a professor in my own home. I realized that I needed to lecture less and listen more. It is a lesson that I don't always remember, but when I do, it makes the journey of parenting more joyful, more meaningful, more rewarding. Speaking of journeys, we repeated that drive three more times before Tom graduated from high school. Each time I learned more from my children than I did than they did from me. And now I have ten grandkids to remind me all over again that if you are open, your family can expand your vision beyond your wildest expectations and maybe even make you more omniscient than earning a PhD.